Hello, welcome to the Pastor's Bible Study Podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. My name is Pastor Jack Horner, and I will be continuing our uh, study on the book of Nehemiah. And today we're going to be looking at chapters 6, verse 15 through chapter 8. Last week, Pastor Brock was here to talk about the opposition, but also the perseverance of Nehemiah and the people as they sought to complete the walls of Jerusalem, walls that had been destroyed by the Babylonians when they were carted off into exile. And so in, in the verse 15, it begins with, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son, Jehohanan, had married the daughter of Mesulam, son of Berechiah. So they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobias sent letters to intimidate me. Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani charge over Jerusalem. And along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, The gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still standing, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint the guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their watchposts and others before their own houses. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been built. This is the third main section of the book of Nehemiah. Elul was the sixth month of the Jewish year, so that means that the work was finished during the autumn. It had been six months since uh, the commission of Nehemiah to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, and 52 days since the work began. So 52 days, that's pretty amazing. Now, the, uh, the historian Josephus, who's writing 200 years, three, well, actually maybe 500 years later says that it actually took two years or over two years for them to complete the work. But it is possible that they could have done it in 52 days because keep in mind, all of the walls of Jerusalem had not come down. They only need to take out a section of the wall to be able to get your army to kind of spill through. So they had certainly work to be done, but it was probably not the whole wall that was uh, down. As a matter of fact, on the side with the Kidron Valley, on the east side, I believe it is, uh, or maybe that's the north at that point, uh, the north side, um, it's very, very steep. And, uh, you know, almost certainly the armies, uh, the Babylonian armies, when they attacked, did not attack from, did not attack from, that, uh, from that direction. In any event, it is amazing that they were able to get the work done in so quick a time. And that is because of the enthusiasm, commitment, leadership, and organization of, of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah also recognizes that this is not a time to just congratulate ourselves. We, we, we have to continue to do the work because the enemies are still out there. We're assuming the enemies that he's referring to are 
Sambalat, um, uh, but also uh, Tobiah. We've talked about Tobiah before. He was the Arab, and we get to we get a little bit of a glimpse into more about him. It's very very interesting. You know, we know that he was influential. We know he's also getting a lot of information, and now we find out why. Why is Tobiah such a such an important character in this in this in this story? Well, we see it through marriage. His son is married to the daughter of one of the Judean nobles. Okay? So the same Judean nobles that were were in charge of Jerusalem and did nothing to rebuild anything, these are the ones that Nehemiah takes over from. He remember he comes with a letter from the king to say, "Listen, I'm here's my task that I have to do. I'm in charge now." Right, so it's really, really, absolutely uh, 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 interesting. I think uh, to that. Um, so we get, we really get a sense of okay, this is why. Even though the text doesn't tell us that much, we we do get a, a clue of oh, okay, this is why. Notice what it said there. Oh, they also spoke of his of his good deeds in my presence. Right, so they're trying to make things. Oh, he's really a good guy. He's really a good guy reported my words to them, Nehemiah says, right? So they're basically spies in his house giving information to Tobiah. To, to and Tobiah, in turn, of course, is sending letters to, imit, uh, to intimidate Nehemiah uh, himself. But as I said, the work was not done. So as they set up the doors and everything else, he then knows that, okay, we now need to protect this, right? The walls are up, but we're not done yet. We now have to do what we need to do to be able to protect that. Nehemiah is not, is not concerned with how people are perceiving him. He trusts God is going to be with him. But this, this great work that they have done, the completed wall, the gates, the doors, it's only the framework for what they're trying to create. Now he needs to defend what they built. The danger is not over, right? Tobiah and Sambalit, they're still out there. So it's going to take some supervision, and he appoints his brother, who he knows, of course, would be on not only on his side, but a, a confidant, and also has the same kind of character as he does as a follower of God, but also Hananiah, the commander of the citadel or the fortress that is there. For he was a and then it says, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. See, Nehemiah is not just looking to whether or not he's a good military leader, but does he have that same character as Nehemiah has? And that's why he picks him. He picks him because he not only has values his military skill, but also he has the right attitude toward God. In other words, his character really matters. And he takes not only the guards, you know, the military people, from soldiers, but also he chooses as guards the lay people, the same people who built the walls. They are also charged to, to help guard uh, the people that are going to be who are going to be living within the walls. Of course, um, of course, this is important because they are the ones who whose families uh, who are whose families are returning and are going to be living in this city. 
but they, there are not a lot of houses that have been built just yet because first they want to um, per, first they want to create the, the the safety perimeter, if you will, through the wall. Then it says, "Then my God put into my mind to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. It's like a census. And I found the book of genealogy of those who were the first to come back, and I found the following written in it." These are the people of the province who came out of captivity of those exiles whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. Then it lists, uh, the next number of verses then lists all of the people. From verse 7 all the way back to 72, it lists all of the different people and all of the family groups that have come back out of exile that the Persians had released from captivity in Babylon and, and allowed to go back to their own hometown to be uh, to be settled. And it's quite an extensive list, and, and it's really thousands. It's really thousands of, 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 of people. Now, this list is also found in Ezra chapter 2. Keep in mind, Ezra is the priest and the scribe who is probably writing the book of Nehemiah, you know, with Nehemiah's words. Nehemiah is probably... Uh, dictating what he wants written, but in this time, in this, it's this is almost word for word taken from uh, chapter two in the book of Ezra, Ezra, which precedes uh, the book of Nehemiah. The people return and they settle in the places that they had left, the cities, the the, the towns, the villages uh, that they had come from. That come from, and this is really also a theological statement. Those are the people. Those people should pop- populate the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding uh, communities uh, because they are the ones who left those uh, communities. Uh, so they are like returning. They're returning from exile to the places from which they came, and this really gives a sense of of continuity, if you will, from what was before uh, pre-exile. Uh, as well as uh, post-exile. Um, what happens then after that is that the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people from the temple servants and all of Israel settled in their towns. Now, now we're in verse in the beginning of chapter 8. And when the seventh month came, the people of Israel began being settled in their towns. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. And they told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. According to the, to the priest, Ezra brought the book before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and all who could understand. And the ears of all who were, and the ears of all were attentive uh, uh, to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the purpose. And then beside him stood a number of different people, both on his right and on his, on his left. Ezra then opens the book uh, in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all of the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their head, uh, lifting up their hands, then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then some more people um, helped the people to understand the law. 
while the people remained in their places. So they read the book from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and make their great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This text is brought out. It had probably you know, been saved from the from the, the temple before and taken into exile. Now it's brought out to read in front of all of the people. Notice that it's the whole assembly, men, women, and children, those who can understand. It's not just the men who are involved in worship. The teaching of the law is going to be for all of the people because it was not following the teaching of the law that had led to their exile in the first place. Remember, they had the exiles had recognized it was their unfaithfulness and their family's unfaithfulness that had led to the Babylonians taking them over and putting them into exile in the first place. The prophet Hosea says in the fourth chapter, verse 6, My people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. And now there's going to be this time, this moment, where Nehemiah and Ezra bring the people together so that they can explain to them what is the book of the law? What is the Torah of their God who brought them out of exile? It's six to seven hours of reading. The people that are on either side of Ezra probably participated in that reading as well. The reading is probably done in, in, in different sections. And the people are attentive uh, so that they can listen to this law. This is a theme that has been through this whole book. They they listen to Nehemiah and they they, they allow... Uh, they allow his 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 leadership to to take them to where they need to go, and they've completed the wall in an amazing amount of time. And now they they stand together and they they listen to the to the word of the Lord. Uh, we see that there are priests and Levites as well as normal lay people that are that are walking from group to group to be able to explain to them to make sure that they understand. So. But the the reading is 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 probably done with just a um, you know in, in sections so that they can all talk about it and learn from it. But it says that too that the Torah is not is is for really all of the people, not just the privileged few, because the women and the children are also a part of this gathering as well. And the people's response is overwhelming. They cry, "Amen, Amen! So be it, so be it." Even the repeating of the words is an emphasis that they are following this, this law or they want to follow this law. Their hearts are in the right place. They raise their hands demonstrating their, their, the, the, their need and their dependence upon God. No doubt with the thought that God would meet that need through the scripture that was going to be read in their presence. They, they, they lay down with their faces to the ground. They prostrate themselves demonstrating their worship and their adoration, their humility before their God that had brought them out of bondage from Babylon. 
They stand up as they hear the reading. As I said, the Levites and the other people that were picked go from group to group to explain to them what they are what they are hearing. And uh, it is a moving moment. They weep as they hear the words. But Nehemiah and Ezra said, don't weep, don't mourn. This day is holy to the Lord. In a way, they're saying, get used to this. This needs to be our normal way of life. Not something to be grieved, but something which is a joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then they rejoice because they were once a people in exile and now they are a community once again gathered together. They have, they have reestablished the people in this place, in this place that they call holy. And then it continues in, the, in this 13th verse. On the second day, the heads of the ancestral houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to the scribe Ezra in order to study the words of the law. They found it written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should live in booths during the festival of the seventh month and that they should publish and proclaim in all their towns and in all Jerusalem as follows, go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy leaves, other leafy trees to make booths as is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booze for themselves, each on the roofs of their houses and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and the square and the water gate and the square of the gate of Ephraim and all of the assembly, those who had returned from the captivity made booze and lived in them. For from the days of Yeshua, son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was a very great rejoicing, and day by day, from the very first day to the last, he read from the book of the law of God. And they kept the festival seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly, according to the ordinance. So they reestablished the festival of booze, or the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkoth, as it is called, to make booze, to remind themselves that they were in exile that they were people returning from slavery in Egypt, but now they were people returning from slavery in Babylon. And so they had to travel lightly and they make booze for themselves. And for many Orthodox Jews, this is, continues to this day. I was a pastor in New York and I had been uh, driving through uh, one of the neighborhoods in Brooklyn. I believe it was um, uh, Williamsburg or might have been Crown Heights and uh, during, the, the, during the autumn and I saw these... Um, these tarps and these um, with with sticks that had been uh, made, these little tents that had been made on on fire escapes and on top of the roofs, and and it was a it was a reenactment, if you will, of the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, so that they could remember this uh, this moment and, and the moment previously in their history uh, when they were in exile, returning uh, coming out of exile. Of, uh, of bondage in, in Egypt. They are reestablishing the law. They are reestablishing the festivals. They are reestablishing all of this with the very with the very same people. They want to 
become once again this community that follows God in this holy place. And so Nehemiah, through his leadership, helps them to do that. You'll notice, too, that the wooden platform, which was like a stage, a very high stage for Ezra to be able to read all of this, you know, you, you'll notice, you, you'll you realize that this was part of Nehemiah's plan from the very beginning. While the walls are, and the, while the walls are being rebuilt and the doors are being put together, there are also people that are working on this platform so that as soon as the walls are done, they can celebrate in this way, because they need to be able to say to themselves and to the world that it is God that had made all of this possible. And that now the law of God, which their ancestors before had given up on, was going to be the centers of their life. And it was going to be the center of their families. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this uh, podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Pastor Brock will be with you next week. And you'll be uh, studying the ninth through the 11th chapters of the book of Nehemiah as you explore confession and covenant. Take care and God bless your week.